Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast with Nicolene Peck. Improving your life, uniting your family, changing the world. Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. I'm Nicolene Peck and I'm joined here with my daughter, Paige Baumert. Hi, Paige. Hi. Paige, how's your baby doing? So good. I'm at the stage where I'm just getting bigger now. <laughs> bigger, bigger, bigger. Paige is having a baby, little girl. And it sounds like her name might turn into Clara, which is really mm-hmm. exciting. I love that. Okay, well, today, Paige, we're going to be talking about anxiety. And specifically, it, it is a touchy subject. <laughs> yep, it is <laughs> because people feel touchy when they have anxiety. They, they're not sure they can cope. They're worried about things. There's nervousness, stress, butterflies. I mean, fill in the blank. There's all kinds of different words that people use to describe anxiety. So we're going to talk about surviving anxiety and thriving. Okay. And so um, this is going to be a great podcast with lots of how to's and things that you can take away, hopefully, and use to help yourself or your family members who might be struggling with anxiety. But before we talk about anxiety, we are going to talk about a fun family activity, which is something that is a tradition here at the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. Paige, just check your brain. What type of fun family activity do you remember from your childhood that could be fun to talk about? That is a good question. I know something we love to do was we would go buy a thing of chalk and we would do um, chalk competitions. We would draw pictures uh, you know, on our driveway or on the sidewalk. And, you know, we'd, we'd spend some time out there and they'd be like, mom, come judge our pictures. Who did better? You know, or we would take the chalk and we would um, draw basically our board game for different games, like Foursquare, um, stuff like that. And so chalk was actually a big part of uh, my childhood for multiple different region- reasons. I do think that sidewalk chalk is a staple for life. My baby is 17 and I bought a bucket of sidewalk chalk this year. (laughs) So I agree with that statement. I think that's a really good one. It's good to have sidewalk chalk available, play hopscotch, play four square. We live in a cul-de-sac. So it's so nice to just go out there and be like, we own this circle. Here's a big square. (laughs) We're playing in it, you know. Um, but you could make a shuffleboard on your sidewalk or in your garage. You could do all kinds of different things with that sidewalk chalk and just practicing the art, you know, so I even did it for a date when I was dating my now husband, we came for a visit and we like, we did a double date us and then you and dad, and we totally did sidewalk chalk and it was fantastic. I know. It was so fun. I was like, Ooh, what can we do? That would be fun. I'm like, let's do some art on the side. And we totally won. Yeah, you totally won. I'm like, hey, the art gene is not me and dad, but that's okay. It was fun. So fun. Okay, so let's talk about anxiety. We're going to be looking at the topic of anxiety through the lens of self-government. So when a person is self-governing, then what they do is they analyze themselves regularly and decide what the best version of themselves looks like. And then they compare that to what they just did and go, hmm, Am I becoming the best version of myself? 
If not, what should I do to make a change? And then they make a plan for that change. They follow through and then check up and analyze again and again and again. I think it's important with that process to mention that that whole analyzation process is separated from emotions and bias opinion. Mm, That's a good point. Thank you for bringing that up because it's all just like, like describing Mm-hmm. what what you see where you're going and so it's not like beat yourself up right? right if you if you don't accomplish what you thought you would and it wasn't the best day it's not about yeah manipulating yourself and beating yourself up so true okay so let's talk about anxiety Paige have you ever had anxiety before yes ma'am okay Paige I've had anxiety too <gasps> no no, it's true. Paige, every single person has anxiety. <laughs> I know. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> okay. So every single person has anxiety. This is so important for us to recognize. And when I say has anxiety, I don't mean clinical anxiety. Okay. Cause there is a difference yeah, that's between normal more anxiety more and clinical anxiety. I'm going to talk about that difference in a minute, but it is important for us to know that every person experiences at some point or another, this feeling of worry or fear, stress, overwhelm, nervousness, concern. Okay. These are all things that are words that describe anxiety. And so it's part of the human story or the human condition to have to overcome these types of things. In fact, when we overcome some of those feelings when we figure out that it was okay or we see that we made it through and we survived something difficult then we actually feel empowered our confidence gets a boost and we're usually more willing to try new things so that's an important thing and I think that's one of the biggest things we see with anxiety nowadays is people just saying no I will not try a new thing no I will not talk to those people there are too many of them yeah, I'd say it's no. almost more yeah. even of like an entitled disposition just because they experience anxiety they're like oh, I can't you know or oh, yeah. I won't yeah, now I don't, we don't want to go negative, right? Because like, no, not always. But it is though, but it is not. So that's a really important thing to bring up is that, that this is actually when you feel like I deserve to, because that is entitlement. Or maybe thinking, I should rephrase, like people have been uh, trained to treat it as an entitled behavior that deserves a certain kind of treatment. Yeah, which which then brings us back to the the word that you know everyone talks about comfort. Are you comfortable? <laughs> Do you feel safe? These are very common words that yeah. people are using all the time, and um, and those words do have value. They have meaning. I I know what it feels like to feel safe and to not feel safe, right? And that kind of thing. Um, but sometimes what you're saying is that we get so wrapped up in our own comfort level that we never step out of our comfort zone. Right. Right. And then what happens is that leads to a feeling of fragility that we can't ever step out. And that's when we've got a problem. In fact, that's definitely, um, a human being not thriving. So I want to talk about surviving and, and real anxiety and how it serves us. But I also want to talk about thriving. But before I do that, I think it's important that we describe the difference between normal anxiety and 
like a clinical type anxiety, because I think a lot of times when people say I have anxiety, now everybody's just going in their mind clinical. Like, oh, they assume that's like, you know, the doctor's like, okay, you have anxiety, this, you know, you have to do this and this and this. And sometimes, you know, anxiety is diagnosed by a doctor, but there's lots of behavioral differences between normal anxiety, which everyone has, and clinical anxiety, which not everybody has. No, it's more rare. The other thing too is even with clinical anxiety, you can make great gains and improvements and even sometimes overcome it, Mm -hmm. even when it is to that clinical anxiety level. And so that's important to recognize. In fact, the majority of the youth that came into my home as foster children, now not all, but I would say the majority, had um, levels of anxiety and multiple were diagnosed with clinical anxiety anxiety. But by the time they left my home, the majority of them did not show many signs of clinical anxiety any longer. And that's because they learned some things. And we're going to talk about some of the things that they learned and the way you could structure an environment to help a person so that they can make steps to overcome whether it's normal anxiety or clinical anxiety. Now, here's a few key things that set apart clinical anxiety from normal anxiety. If something is clinical, like clinical anxiety, then probably you've been anxious for like six months or more, or it's like, it literally never stops. You, you don't get a reprieve from this anxiousness that you feel all the time. Um, usually there's something that gets in the way of like normal functioning too. Right. So it's like, you absolutely like never sleep or you, Um, are acting on a lower level, like age level than you normally are, or something like that because of this, um, you know, anxiety that doesn't stop. And there's other factors, but that's just a few key factors um, that are a way that you know that you or that you have, you could be, you know, maybe guessing that you might be developing some clinical anxiety and you might need a little bit of help with that. You know, I mean, sometimes there's medications or other things that people can do. I definitely believe in understanding what's going on, creating skills and a a plan for yourself, no matter if you're going to be on medications or not. So let's talk about the difference between surviving and thriving. So Paige, when a person has anxiety, is it always bad? No, in fact, sometimes it can help you thrive in a situation or survive possibly a dangerous situation. In fact, um, my husband and I were talking a little bit ago um, about a book that we had listened to together. It was called The Gift of Fear by Gavin uh, someone. Gavin someone. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) but um, he talked about how these certain situations, people just felt, you know, a little anxious, but it was actually keeping them physically safe and um like there's a story of this one lady who she got in her car and she immediately got the thought lock the door lock the door lock the door and so she locked the door and right as she locked the door this guy came and tried to open it we don't know what his intent was but it was not kind and um so in some cases it can keep you physically safe Mm-hmm. Um, and see, I would call that a prompting, not anxiety, but it's interesting that that could be labeled anxiety. If all mm-hmm. of a sudden you have a repeated thought in your head that you can't get rid of, somebody could be like, I have anxiety all of a sudden about, you know, where my child is right now. Yeah. And a lot of people it's pair probably words a prompting. Like, yeah, yeah. They pair words like worried with anxiety and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So, so here's the thing is an anxiety or this feeling of concern or possible fear 
or maybe some worry actually does help people survive difficult situations. It helps people prepare for future, future success. I mean, mm-hmm. think of it. Why do you put sunscreen on? Just why, you know? I mean, sun, there's this little bit where you're like, oh, I have to get sunscreen. Oh, don't leave the house without the sunscreen. <laughs> that could be considered like a teeny bit of anxiety, but why? It's because you have this little fear of getting burned. Because or you've skin cancer before. down the road right? Or skin cancer down the road, right? And so you're like, oh, hold on, turn around, go back. We got to get this sunscreen. You know, like we're not going to the pool without the sunscreen. And so there's this little, and people might think, oh, what's the big deal? But to a person who's been burned or, or their family has a history of skin cancer or whatever, then big deal. they are protecting themselves from a problem, right? And this is actually a good thing. So people save food for a rainy day. Well, we saw when there was a run on the store, why that could be a pretty good idea, you know, or people learn how to grow food because they're like, you know what? I don't ever want to be hungry. Well, that's good. So then, you know, what happens is if you grow food or you save food, because you always want to be prepared with food for your family, that's just called living providently. And then you can live with confidence. And if you have your sunscreen on, you swim with confidence, right? Then whatever it is. And so there's these little things that we do to that help us survive. And so when we see a child running in toward the road and we feel a teeny bit of panic and we run after that child to save the child from the road, that is helping keep the child safe and protected. So anxiety serves a purpose in that way. Mm -hmm. But what people don't often talk about is the thriving side of anxiety. So when a person caters to their anxiety too much and all the time and they overthink everything and they think of everything as a danger then they potentially stop thriving okay so there are multiple or when they take certain situations personally i don't like even just this morning i went on a walk and we were crossing the street and you know we were about to cross the street and this car suddenly came out of my peripheral into my main vision whoa you know hi hello there (laughs) And some people are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't see that car. You know, it's, oh, I'm so stupid. Or, oh my gosh, that car didn't stop for me. Whereas for me, it's like, oh, hi, there's a car there. Uh, thank you. You know, right. And you took, a, you took a breath and went, okay, problem avoided and we're done. Yeah. Right. I don't have to think about it anymore. Just because that car did something that seemed unsafe in the minute. Now that it's over, I don't have to stew on it. If I'm going to stew on it, I have now decreased my chances of thriving in Mm -hmm. that situation. Right? So this is key. There are so many different things. Um, So I recently just did a camp for girls for my church. So it was for youth that were ages like 11 to 18. And it was all girls and they came to this camp and we decided at the beginning of the camp that we would have a, um, an award for someone who steps out of their comfort zone. So we were going to have, we had a leadership award, a step out of your comfort zone award and a service award. Okay. So all these are things you do. Okay. For other people. And so we said, and here's some jars and you can submit people's names. You can nominate people for these awards and so the girls were watching each other and immediately stepping up and serving and helping and they were writing down what people did and what people noticed and 
wow, that jar with the step out of your comfort zone was jam packed with little notes and they had nominated each other. And it was so neat that by the end of that camp that we did that week, that there were girls saying to me, did you notice all those things that I did? I can't believe I did that, you know, and they were just blown away. And one girl came up to me and she said, I have done more brave things this week than I have ever done in my whole life. Wow. And I mean, things like riding in a boat and riding on a tube behind a boat, things that scared the person, things like, things like uh, holding onto a rope alone with your eyes closed, things like, um, you know, doing a skit in front of other people, like a little play where people have to watch you and you're not even that prepared, you know, and stuff like that. It's just like, ah, you know, and, and just the kind of adrenaline rush of it. I mean, these girls were changed, literally changed because they stepped out of their comfort zone and they, they decided to stand on a stage in front of her in front of each other and participate in hard things with each other and so they truly were thriving in fact their relationships were so bonded together so close because they experienced hard things together and they knew they could do it and they were stronger than they thought they were a person does not thrive if they think they are weak and they can't i'm weak and i can't i weak and i can't that is not thriving or I'm broken. I'm broken. How many times nowadays are we going to hear that people are broken? No, you're not broken. You're having a hard minute. Okay. You're going through something. You might need a little bit of help, but you're not broken. You can still thrive at the end of this. It's okay. Right? So anyway, um, so awesome. I really got a deep down understanding of anxiety years ago, Paige, you were just a little tyke, but I was doing foster care and there were multiple different youth that came to my home that had anxiety. I had one foster daughter who she was getting bullied at school. She had anxiety, clinical anxiety. And when she would get bullied at school, she would shut down or she would start fighting. I mean, I'm talking fists flying and getting in fights like me having to get called to the school. And it all came down to the anxiety about the bullying and not knowing how to handle it. So then I taught her a skill for how to handle it. I said, well, when they bully you, just say, oh, and literally don't pay attention to it and drop the subject in your mind. Don't care. You can tell yourself not to care. And she looked at me in disbelief. She's like, but they're mean. I said, but you don't have to care. It's your own life. So you just look at them and say, oh, and then walk away. Never talk back to a person who's trying to start apart. Instead Mm -hmm. of govern herself. Exactly. And you know what? She changed. Her school life changed. She became friends with the bullies. (laughs) Because it all of a sudden didn't work anymore. I'm like, oh my goodness. I had another foster daughter who was so smart and, but she wasn't turning in her homework. And I figured this out and I said, how come you're not turning in your homework? And she said, well, you know, if I'm like, if I'm one of the smart ones, my friends won't like me. And I thought, oh my goodness, she has anxiety about her friends turning on her just because she's smart. I thought that's horrible. And so what did I do? 
I had a talk with her. We made a plan. I talked to her about what was true and what was not, and what made a good friend and what was not a good friend, right? And then I talked about a bigger plans into the future. Who do you want to be later? Well, what you do now sets a pattern for what you're going to do later. You could be more successful later if you decide success is okay now. It's going to lay a foundation. And she was like, oh, I didn't think of that, right? Mm-hmm. And, so, and, and so I told her, you know what? You have to just choose to love yourself for who you are and not worry about what other people think. So if they're going to think or say something else, just drop the subject. Don't think about it. Don't care, right? Anyway, so these girls struggled with anxiety. We taught them new things. But I got to compare these two to another girl. So there was another girl that came to my home and she was sporty. Okay. She was a basketball player. She played on the school basketball team. She was amazing. Love this girl. She was different, different than all of the other girls that were there at that time in our home. She, she didn't break down over stuff. Now that doesn't mean she never cried or she never had a hard minute, but she didn't, she wasn't emotionally fragile. She had other issues that she was dealing with, specifically relationship issues with her family and stuff and a little bit of trauma she had been through, but she was not, she did not have anxiety. She had mental toughness. And this was an interesting thing to see, you know, that she, that she had like a mental game with sports and she also had a mental game with life and they were both very similar. Well, let's see, when I can't breathe in my sports, I tell myself, yes, you can keep taking another breath. Yes, you can run that court one more time. Yes, you can make your body keep going. Yes, you can. And so when my life gets hard with my family or other things that are going on, I tell myself, yes, you can. You can get through this. Use the people around you, the coaches you, you've got. Talk to Nicolene if there's a problem. And she did. She had that ingrained in her sports are amazing at teaching people mental game, mental I was going to say, people who are athletes, they go above and beyond. Like if you think of Olympic athletes, they have gone so far above and beyond normal expectations that that's why they're an Olympic athlete, because they have pushed themselves past their own expectations of what they thought they could do. They push past their anxiety is what they do is they say, that's just anxiety. That's just a little bit of fear. I am not doing that. I watched in awe. But the thing is, the the biggest thing is they saw it for what it was. They were able to analyze it and say, yeah, I'm okay. Or Mm -hmm. no, you don't need to be here. See, this is huge being able to analyze it. So lately uh, there was a girl, young girl, 11 years old. I watched in awe as she climbed a 30 meter tower diving platform, never done it before, looked over the edge and went, holy cow, what am I going to do? Right. And then all of a sudden she plucked herself up and said, I'm going to be fine. The worst thing that could happen is I could hurt a little bit when I hit the water, if I hit it wrong, but I'm going to be okay. And so I'm going to jump off that thing. And so, and it didn't take her very long. She just ran and jumped off that thing. She talked herself out of the lie of the anxiety and into the truth. And I think that's a key thing that we need to remember is some anxieties could 
or, or feelings of anxiety could be promptings and truths that we need to hold on to. But then there's other ones that are lies. And if we fall into following the lies, then, then we could stop thriving. We would never do that hard thing. And we would always wish we would have taken that step that we would have done mm-hmm. that thing and we would have talked ourselves. I say, I think that happens to a lot of people. I know you've shared a story with us before of when you were young and you were taking piano lessons and you just decided to quit because like, I, it's too hard. I don't want to do it anymore. This is not fun, blah, blah, blah. And how you've told Shaq, I wish I would have kept going. And I wish I would have done more and learned more and become a better piano player. Totally. Especially because that was my most anxious thing. That's why I quit. I quit because, well, I, I quit because I was lazy and I didn't want to practice. <laughs> and then, I, but then I came back to it. And by the time I got married, like the, my first Mother's Day, I'm like, honey, for Mother's Day, can I please buy a piano? Like, that's what I wanted for Mother's Day was a piano. And, um, and we still have that little spinet piano. Yep, that's anyway. what we all learned on. <laughs> yeah, not the, not the best instrument in the world, but it was good enough. Anyway, and um, and that's, you know, but I didn't like playing piano in front of people. Still, there is nothing that can give me anxiety more than playing piano in front of another person. I will sing a solo in front of another person. I will do a dance in front of another person, even though my body doesn't look like a dancer's body anymore. <laughs> I will, I will act in a play, forget lines and feel like that's fine. I will speak on any stage to any diplomat. I will go to the legislature and Congress and I will talk to the people. <laughs> But if somebody says, could you please play this song on the piano? All of a sudden my brain goes. <laughs> it's like my thing. Like I'm like, ah, and, but, but I've taught, I've taught myself not to do that. I, mean, I talk myself off the cliff. I'm like, okay, hello. You have done this. How many times you sit at home, you've played how many times you've played that song. That's not even a hard one. It's like an easy one. How about you play that song? And so then I tell myself, and you know what? It's okay if you mess up. If they keep singing and you mess up, then you just pick it up wherever you find them, you know, no problem. Mm -hmm. But, but even still, even though I give myself that, I still have to battle some of that little anxiousness. Yeah, no. And I actually have something similar to that because I'm the organ player in our church congregation uh, where I live. And, you know, I, I usually only get to practice like once a week, if that. And so I get there, I know having to perform in front of the whole congregation and I'm like, oh, okay, well, um, all right, then <laughs> I guess we'll just do? do it. <laughs> but like, it doesn't overwhelm me. Like, yes, I might be a little nervous. You're like, okay, you know, there's this one song I have to play that, you know, is a little harder than the other ones. Um, so I'll be nervous, but I also am willing to just tell myself, you know what? You didn't get to practice. It happens. So just do the best that you can do what you know you can do, you know, look ahead on the notes, watch your fingers and you'll be fine. Yeah. You might mess up, but it doesn't have to be perfect, especially Mm -hmm. because I'm not getting paid. So, (laughs) yeah, I mean, it's just a volunteer thing, but you make yourself do it. And I've Mm -hmm. made myself go on stage how many times and I've made myself sing. I've made myself dance. I've made myself talk to people because I know I've got to protect families and children, you know, in a legislature or something. I just make myself, I'm like too bad. And so then soon you don't experience those little fears or those. Yeah. Well, and the biggest thing is just like accepting that you're not perfect and almost giving yourself a no answer. Like, you know what? No, you don't have to be perfect. Like, yeah, you probably should have practiced, but it's going to be okay. 
You're going to be fine. I think this is where we get a lot of people that struggle the most with anxiety. They are perfectionists Mm -hmm. and they do think they have to be perfect. And a lot of parents have put that on their children nowadays and don't even know it. Yeah. They have, they have made their children think that their children need to be perfect when their children just need to try. That's what they do when they're a child, you know, they do their best and they try, but they don't have to be perfect yet. So let's talk about what to do. Let's talk about some things. So I've recently written an article. It's on the teachingselfgovernment.com website. What did I name the article? I can't even remember. Something <laughs> about anxiety. Um, and well, I, and if you look I think, it up soon, whenever, you know. As yeah, soon as you'll find out, it. You'll this find is being it. filmed in 2021. And so anyway, um, <laughs> so it, it's about anxiety and fragility. Okay. Because there is a link there between if you cater to anxiety, if somebody says, no, I can't, I can't, I can't. And you keep catering to it. And if you hand somebody a device all the time just to distract them from a feeling that they have, instead of taking it head on and teaching them how to analyze it and handle it, then you're actually creating fragility. Okay. So anyway, it's an article about that and there's a lot of helps in there. So I'm not going to repeat all those helps, but I am going to give you some other helps here in this podcast. So, um, one thing that we can do is don't add stress to the children. So this is important. So, or don't add stress to yourself. So if you're experiencing anxiety or someone, you know, is experiencing anxiety, don't be like, well, quit it. Well, what's the big deal? Well, that adds stress. Now they're like, oh, great. I can't even handle myself. No, instead, what we need to do is we do encourage. So don't add stress, do encourage and nudge the person along, give them a little vote of confidence. Like, you know what, you can, you can try this. Anybody could try this. Just, you know what, just take a little step at it. It's going to be okay. You might be able to do more than you think. And if for some reason it doesn't work out just right, it's no big deal. So one of the tips I talked about in my article was failing forward and how we have to be able to accept failure in order to decrease our anxiety. Cause it's people who can't accept failure ever who are ones who feel more anxious about being perfect and won't try things. Yeah. So that's important. Um, so as Paige and I were discussing this topic, you know, Paige said to me, she's like, mom, the way that the parents handle the anxiety is the biggest game changer. It is like, I know for me growing up, you know, when we had little anxious moments, you'd be like, it's okay. You're going to be fine. And sometimes you would help describe the situation, you know, like, you know, there's only this and there's these safety measures, you know, whatever we were doing, you're like, just go, just go take a step out, you know, one step forward, go try it. Mm-hmm. Whereas other parents might be like, oh, you know, it's, it's okay. You know, you don't have to do that. If you feel anxious about it, don't worry about it. Yeah, that's coddling though. And See, that's, that's inhibiting. The like there's mm-hmm. no way a child's going to be able to succeed on their own if that happens. And I think that's a lot of reasons why we still have 30-year-olds living in parents' basements because they've been taught to like, they, well, yeah, mm-hmm. and they haven't been taught to like go out and take risks and mm-hmm. to, you know, maybe find a job or cause like jobs, jobs can be anxious places. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And sure. so like parents in their efforts to protect children from the growing pains of new situations have actually harmed them more than they were protecting them. Mm-hmm. 
Agreed. So we have to be really careful and make sure that we think in our minds, they can do this, they can stretch, they just have to know what's happening. And so like Paige mentioned before, we need to learn how to analyze anxiety, we need to be able to say that's anxiety, or that's just stress and worry, what's the real truth there, right? So be able to zero in on the truth, maybe even ask someone or talk to somebody about it. And the perfect person to talk to is you. The perfect person to talk to is your parent, somebody who loves you. So the teaching self-government parenting program is geared to help with anxiety by creating confidence building environments in your home. This is what the, the thing is structured to do because so many different processing problems, whether it's ADHD, OCD, ODD, RAD, you know, autism, anything, these processing differences, they all come with a level of anxiety. And guess what? Children come with a level of anxiety because they don't know how to problem solve everything well yet. Their prefrontal cortexes are not developed. And so this whole program is geared toward decreasing anxiety. It's all predictable. So the opposite of anxiety is predictable. Okay. So if you want to help a person with anxiety, you've got to help them find a predictable environment. So I want to just share with you, Paige, if we could, we'll kind of go through this really, really fast, but there are so many things in this program that can help with curbing or, or helping fix anxiety problems and, and treat anxiety. So number one thing is pre-teaching. You are not self-governing unless you teach people the skills and things they need ahead of time and then follow through with correcting and praising. Or even pre-teaching a possible anxious situation ahead of time. Exactly, exactly. Which brings us to other things like sodas. So there is a problem solving exercise that we do called sodas. It's an acronym that stands for situation, options, disadvantages, advantages, solutions. And there's a, a format that we go through to help a child analyze a situation. So if you're pre-teaching them about an upcoming possible anxious situation, you could go into a sodas exercise and verbally talk through or even write down what different options are and what could be happening from those different options. And so that the person can make a fully educated decision. So when you are self-governing, you analyze stuff. You don't just go with the flow in the minute. And part of this analysis is having meetings together as a family. So that's huge. So you analyze how is our family doing and becoming the kind of family we want to become. We also teach skills. So there's four basic skills, following instructions, accepting no answers and criticism, accepting consequences and disagreeing appropriately. Those are all big ones. Those are the four basic skills. There's also five teaching styles, though, for parents, and those are also skills. So learning skills help you build confidence so that you know you can do more, especially if the skill is really broad. Then you can apply it to all different kinds of circumstances in your life. Yeah, well, these... there's, there's certain steps for these skills, too. Um, so usually all those skills, they start with, you know, looking at the person, keep it, keeping a calm voice, face, and body. And mm -hmm. calm body is a big thing because when you have a calm body, you can have a calm mind. And when you mm -hmm. have a, a racing mind, that anxiety skyrockets. And mm -hmm. so having being able to calm your body down helps you to calm the mind down and actually analyze things for what they are. 
So calm, calm mind, calm body is a great way to describe the mind, the heart, the whole body, being calm, being able to think, right? So another key thing in some of these skills that we teach, one of the steps to like accepting no answers, for instance, like Paige talked about before, how we need to sometimes accept no answers that we're not going to be perfect yet. So one of the steps to that is dropping the subject. Mm -hmm. So at the end of accepting a no answer, you go, I'm not going to think about it anymore. I'm not, not going to spend over it. I'm not going to spend my time over processing something I cannot change. I'm going to be courageous and I'm going to accept I can't change this and I'm going to move on and do my best. And hopefully next time it will be better. Another yeah. thing that we, we do is we teach a skill called disagreeing appropriately. There is a certain mindset that comes with disagreeing appropriately. It's the seek to understand mindset. And so if we can incorporate that into everything we do where we go, okay, I understand this is the situation and this is what's going on, but this is where I'm at. Okay, so what truth do I need to find now from where I'm at so that I can move forward? These are, these are factoring in a few of the steps from that disagree appropriately skill that we teach our children. Also accepting consequences. You may not think that work, chores, accepting consequences help build confidence to the point where it can decrease anxiety, but it absolutely does. Absolutely. In fact, Especially when if a there's person, a system to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when a person can accept a, conce a consequence, then they know they can do something they didn't want to do. They know they can overcome that bit of anxiety that one time. Mm -hmm. So when they get the opportunity to continually, consistently accept negative consequences for when things have gone wrong, then their confidence level actually goes up. Their anxiety about accepting consequences and being held accountable for their own behaviors decreases. And this is all done in a very predictable, laid out way. I wish I could, you know delay it all out for you in one podcast, but that's just way too hard. So definitely go to the teaching self-government parenting course, which is on teachingselfgovernment.com. There is a ton of information. It teaches all these things plus more exclamation, 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 like plus more. <laughs> There's a, so much there that so it teaches much. you so that you can create this self-government environment for you. And for your family, for your children, they need it. They need to be able to be strong when all of their friends are struggling so much around them. Paige, this has been such a great podcast. I, I think we could talk about this forever, but I'm going to refer people now to the website. We're going to refer you also to the article that was recently written. Go and check that out. Thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you for joining me, Paige, as we talk about anxiety and how we can thrive. Anyway, we will talk to you all again next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. For more information and resources to help unite your family, visit teachingselfgovernment.com.